Welcome back to part 5 of the amazing story of Yud Beis Tammuz. At the end of the last segment, we said that on Wednesday, Chavta Sivan, when the Friedrich Rebbe was scheduled to go to Gullus, in the faraway place of Slovakia, the news came that the Rebbe would not have to go to Slovakia after all. But the Rebbe wasn't free either. He was sent back to prison. The very next day, on Thursday, Lamid Sivan, three officers entered the Rebbe's cell. According to the prison rules, prisoners have to give their utmost respect to the prison guards. When a guard had something to say to a prisoner, the prisoner had to stand up in attention, out of respect. The Rebbe refused to stand up. He said in Yiddish, Ich will nicht aufstehen. I refuse to stand up. One of the officers, who was Jewish, said, If you don't stand up, we're going to hit you. So the Rebbe said in a calm voice, No. And the guards began hitting the Rebbe. And then they left. A short while later, Lulav entered the cell with some of the other prison officials. And he said, Rebbe, why aren't you standing? These men came to give you good news. Once again, the Rebbe refused to stand up, and they hit him. This happened a third time, and the Rebbe continued to refuse to obey the guards. The Rebbe's attitude the entire time was that I am constantly a servant of the Abishter. Whether I am in jail or out of jail, I only have one that I bow down to, that I serve, and that's the Abishter. I'm not going to stand up and respect people that don't deserve my respect. So I'm not going to stand up for the guards. If they have something to tell me, let them say it. But I'm not going to stand up. I'm always a servant of the Abishter. That was the Rebbe's attitude. Finally, they ordered the Rebbe to follow them to the office, and over there, they showed him his verdict. There were three sentences on the official document. The first one was the death sentence. It was crossed out, and next to it, it said, Niet, no. So that sentence was reconsidered and changed. Under it was the second sentence. It said, 10 years in Slovakia. It also was crossed out, and next to it, it said, Niet. No. Under it was the third sentence. It said, three years in Kastorama. That was the final decision. The Rebbe's punishment would be to go to Kastorama for three years, not like ten years in Slovakia, just three, and Kastorama, which was not too far from where people lived, not so far away and so bitter cold like Slovakia. So it wasn't that bad. In his heart, the Rebbe rejoiced, and he was thanking Hashem with his whole heart. He was speared the death sentence, and then the terrible exile in Slovakia. It's a double miracle. Lulov then told the Rebbe, Your situation in Kastorma will be unbearable. You're going to have to go through a lot of hard work and a lot of pain. However, if you take back your statement, that you said about the conference, I'm going to arrange for you 
that you will go immediately to freedom. What conference was he talking about? Well, you see, after the Bolsheviks took over the Russian government, things changed drastically for the Yiddish people. So the leaders in the Jewish community in Leningrad arranged a meeting for all of the Rabbanim around to discuss different matters and different things and to vote about them whether they should go forward or they should stop doing different things. One of the things that were voted upon was concerning communism, if it's a good thing or not. Now the thing is that many of these Rabbanim that partook in this conference weren't really Rabbanim. They were people that were working for the government and pretended to be Rabbanim. And of course, when it came to matters concerning important things of Yiddishkeit, many of these fake Rabbanim voted that what the government did is the proper way to do it. And many real Rabbanim who weren't sure what to vote, when they saw a lot of Rabbanim voting on the side of the government, they decided to join. And of course, this was all a plan by the Russian government to get many Rabbanim to sign a document to go forward with the plan of communism. And the one that realized that it was a fake was the Friedrich Rebbe. The Friedrich Rebbe sent letters all over Russia and he was protesting this conference and saying that it's a fake. It's a libel which is created by the communists. The letters that he sent caused many people to realize the truth. And eventually this whole conference fell apart. So Lulav told the Friedrich Rebbe that if you take back what you wrote in the letters and send more letters to everybody and say that it was a mistake what you said and really the conference is a proper thing. So then, says Lulav, I'll arrange for you to be able to go to freedom immediately. For over an hour straight, Lulav tried to convince and threaten the Rebbe that he should change his mind. Do you think that it worked and the Friedrich Rebbe changed his mind? Of course not. He said, I don't regret what I did and I'm not going to change my opinion. You could even threaten, with me, threaten me that I'm going to go to Siberia. I don't care. I still will not take back a thing I said. Lulav was totally upset and ashamed and embarrassed. He thought that he could force the Friedrich Rebbe to side with him. But as much pressure and threatening that he put on the Friedrich Rebbe, it didn't work. He was looking for revenge. How could I punish you, the Friedrich Rebbe, he thought to himself. And then he realized, aha, you have to go to Kastrama. Today is Thursday. You're going to have to travel tomorrow on Friday. And you're going to arrive in Kastrama on Shabbos. In his mind, he was punishing the Friedrich Rebbe that he's going to have to go against Halacha and travel on Shabbos. Lulav told the Friedrich Rebbe, you have no choice. You must travel tomorrow and Friday. And if you're not going to leave on Friday, then you're not leaving prison at all. And you're going to be stuck here and we're going to take care of you. Once again, Mrs. Peshkova 
was able to use her influence to help out the Friedrich Rebbe. As you remember, Mrs. Peshkova was the head of a certain branch in the Russian government and was well respected. She arranged an emergency meeting with the Prime Minister, and at the end of the meeting, the Prime Minister, whose name was Raikov, called over Munchinsky, who was the head of the GPU, and told him that he should allow the Friedrich Rebbe to travel on Sunday. Once again, Lulov did not get his way. Boy, was he angry. But he refused to give up completely. He tried one last time to convince the Friedrich Rebbe. Please leave tomorrow on Friday. If you're going to leave on Friday, Lulov said, I'm going to arrange for you that you'll be released immediately. The Rebbe said, no, no, no. I don't care if I have to sit in prison. I refuse to travel on Shabbos. The Rebbe spent that Shabbos in jail. On Sunday, on Gimel Tammuz, it was two o'clock in the afternoon, and he was told that he could go home for a few hours. But at eight o'clock, he has to catch the train to go to Kastrama. The Rebbe ma made his way home. You could only imagine the happiness and the relief that his family felt at that time when they saw him walking through the door. The family sat together and had an emotional reunion, and then the Rebbe went to his room to Davin. The news spread like wildfire. Chassidim came from all over town throughout the entire city in order to catch a glimpse of the Rebbe. Chassidim stood by the door of the Friedrich Rebbe's office, where he was, in order to listen to how he was davening. And he was davening full of kavana and with a lot of emotion. The few hours that the Friedrich Rebbe was allowed to be home as a free man went by very fast. It was soon seven o'clock and it was time for the Rebbe to prepare to leave to the train station. He was allowed to take with him one family member and one chassid. The Rebbe chose his second daughter, Rebbe Tzinchayim Mushka, and the chassid Rebbe Elichayim Altois. Many chassidim went to the train station and they wanted to buy tickets to go to Kastrama in order to accompany the Friedrich Rebbe on his way to Golis. But there were no tickets for sale. The GPU forbade it. They didn't allow anyone to buy tickets to go to Kastrama because they wanted that the Rebbe should go alone. They didn't want that he should go with his chassidim. The Rebbe arrived at the train station with heavy guard of the secret police as well as the regular police. At the train station, the Rebbe wasn't scared of the authorities and he started speaking to the crowd that were there. And he said a mimer. Which means that Hashem should be with us just like he was with our forefathers and he's not going to forsake us and abandon us when we are in Golos. The Rebbe explained that this is not just a tefillah that we're asking Hashem that Hashem should be with us. 
the Fidik Rebbe explained that it means that it's a promise as well, that Hashem is promising us that He will be with us, even in the toughest of times when we are in Galus. All the Goyim should realize that the fact that we went into Galus was not by our own will. We didn't choose to do that. And the fact that we are going to be going out of Galus is not either in our own zechus, in our own merit. It's Hashem who loves us. It's Hashem that put us into Galus. And Hashem is the one that will take us out of Galus by sending Mashiach. And it's only our bodies that went into Galus. But our neshamais stay out of Galus. And we must make it clear to everybody that when it comes to Yiddishkeit and Torah and Mitzvahs, and even the Menhagim, no one could tell us what to believe, and no one could force us to go against our beliefs. It's well known that the law of the country allows us to learn and even teach Torah and to do Mitzvahs. It's only because of the Musrim, the informers, who made false accusations, which causes that from Yidin should be put into jail and to be sent to labor camps. The actions of these Rishayim should be totally nullified. It should be bottled and vanish into the thin air. And this is what we dive into Hashem. Al yazvenu va'al yichenu. Don't abandon us. Don't leave us. Instead, give us the koyach that we should be able to face the physical suffering. In fact, the more that they try to hurt us, the more we're going to put in the effort to continue strengthening our Yiddishkeit. Remember, says the Friedrich Rebbe, their punishments are only in this physical, gashmistika world, which means that it's temporary. But Torah and mitzvahs and the Yidin are forever and ever. May Hashem be with us just like He was Im Avisenu, with our forefathers, and there should be good for all of Yidin, Beruchnius as well as Begashmius. This is what the Friedrich Rebbe said to the Hasidim at the train station in front of the officers on the way to Galos. And these are the exact same words that caused that he should be arrested in the first place because of him encouraging people to do Torah Mitzvahs. But he wasn't scared. The Friedrich Rebbe traveled non-stop for almost 24 hours. He left Sunday night and he got at Kastrama late on Monday night. The Chassid Reb Mechol Dvarkin went to Kastrama on Thursday ahead of time in order to arrange a place for the Rebbe to stay. And while he was there, he fixed the mikvah as well as opened up a new cheder. The Rebbe received commands that as soon as he arrives at Kastrama, he must immediately go to the police station and report that he arrived. But the Rebbe did not follow the instructions and instead he went straight to the house that was arranged for him at the local Shaykhet. On Tuesday, hey Tammuz, the Rebbe went to the local Cheka, the secret police. The Rebbe was treated very unpleasantly. They said in an angry tone, you are an exiled prisoner. You're receiving your punishment for the criminal activities that you did against the good of the country of Russia. 
Not only are you not allowed to leave the city without permission, even if you move the place where you live from one place to another home within the city, you also must report and let us know beforehand and get our permission. We are watching every move that you do, whether in public or in private. And you must come every Tuesday to the police station to report and let us know that you're here. The Hasidim that were part of the rescue committee continued doing whatever they could to help the Friedrich Rebbe become free. They did this although they received advice that they should try to hold things down for a second and wait a while before trying to have the Friedrich Rebbe be freed. The reason for this is that it was unheard of for someone to be arrested and go to exile and then be freed immediately. And if the Friedrich Rebbe would be freed immediately, then anti-Semitism would grow because everybody would say, hey, look, here we have a Jewish leader and he's being freed immediately. And other religious people from other religions or regular people, they're going to exile and they're staying there for a long time. That's not fair. And then things would brew up and people will be even more angry against Frum Yedin and it could cause trouble. And also, even if Moscow, the government in Moscow, would give orders that the Friedrich Rebbe should be freed, it could be they would re-arrest the Rebbe again. So they were advised to put things on a hold. But they didn't. Mrs. Peshkova continued doing everything that was in her hands in order to be able to help the Rebbe. And Baruch Hashem, finally, it turned out to be successful. According to the rules of the exile, the Friedrich Rebbe was supposed to check in at the local office of the KGB every Tuesday. The following Tuesday, on Yudbeis Tammuz, which happened to be his 47th birthday, the Rebbe went, together with the Chassid, Reb Elechaim Altois, to the KGB office. Because it was a local holiday, the station was empty and quiet. Surprisingly, the Rebbe was greeted warmly by the chief KGB officer of that local area. The chief informed the Rebbe that he had just received orders to release the Rebbe from Gullus. However, since it was a legal holiday, the paperwork would have to be done on the following day, on Yud Gimel Tamas. When the Friedrich Rebbe came back home in Kastrema, the house where he was staying at in Gullus, after leaving the station, he was greeted by his daughter, Rebbe Tzinchai Mushka, and the Chassid, Rebbe Mechold Varkin, who set up the house and made arrangements for the Friedrich Rebbe before he got there. When Merchold Varkin saw the Friedrich Rebbe, he started singing, Nyet, Nyet, Nikava, with a lot of chayas. And the words of that nigan means that there is nothing besides for Hashem. Then the Rebbe said a mimer, Hashem libe o Yisrael, v'ani ere that Hashem is with me 
and my helpers, and I will see the downfall of my enemies. On the following day, after he received the official papers that he was finally released, the Rebbe said another mimer, Baruch HaGoymel Chayavim Tevei Shegmalani Toiv, which is a bracha which is said by someone that experienced certain types of miracles and being released from prison is one of those. The Friedrich Rebbe noticed that the local commander started treating the Friedrich Rebbe with respect after he received the orders to free the Rebbe. The Rebbe hoped that after he gets home to Leningrad, maybe the KGB and the Yevsexia will also stop harassing the Friedrich Rebbe. And maybe they're even going to admit that the activities that the Friedrich Rebbe was doing was even legal. The Friedrich Rebbe arrived home in Leningrad on Friday, Tess Zion Tammuz. And indeed, the mood of the Yevsexia did change, but not for the better, for the worse. The Jewish communists were terribly disappointed that their plan that they worked so hard failed. And once again, their top enemy was free to continue doing his work. The Yevsexia let it be known that they're going to take matters into their own hands, even before the government could intervene. They threatened the Friedrich Rebbe that it's no longer going to be safe for him to continue living in Leningrad. So the Rebbe had to move, this time to Malachovka, a small suburb outside of Moscow. He hoped that the fact that he would leave and was forced to leave because of the Yevsexia would actually satisfy them and then they could consider it as if they had a victory because they were successful in banishing the Friedrich Rebbe from Leningrad. But unfortunately, that was not the case. The Jewish communists continued with their attacks and it was obvious that they would not stop working tirelessly to capture the Rebbe again. At this point, it was clear that the Rebbe's life appeared to be in danger. And it was obvious that the Rebbe had to leave Russia. Making the, deci the decision to leave Russia is one thing, but receiving visas and permission to move was a lot more difficult. The Russian government refused to give permission for the Rebbe to leave. Once again, the Hasidim turned to other countries to help out and to put pressure on the Soviets. The Jewish community in Germany, as well as the Jewish community in Latvia, both invited the Rebbe to become the chief rabbi of their country. And they both sent representatives to the Russian government to show them their offer how they want to invite the Rebbe to come and be the rabbi of their country. The Jewish communities of each one of these countries, Germany and Latvia, were both competing for the privilege to have the Rebbe live amongst them. And they both put pressure on the Russian government separately. But despite all their efforts, it was to no avail. The Russian government was not going to let the Rebbe leave Russia.
The Chassid Reb Mardchai Dubin was a member of the Latvian government. Since Russia was extremely interested in making a friendship as well as a treaty deal to be able to do business with Latvia, so whenever Mardchai Dubin, who was a representative of the Latvian government, whenever he came to Russia to discuss matters, he was always accepted with a lot of respect. But nevertheless, when he traveled to Russia three times to ask permission for the Lubavitcher Rebbe to become the chief rabbi in Latvia, the Russians declined and said no. Finally, he came up with an idea, a way to trick the Russian government into allowing the Rebbe to leave. The next time Reb Mardchai Dubin went to meet with the Soviet officials, he spoke to them angrily. He said, we Latvians are extremely insulted by the way the Russian government acted. Why? Because after asking again and again permission for the Rebbe to come to Latvia, and you declined our request, now all of a sudden the Russian government gave in to the German group and said yes to them and allowed the Friedrich Rebbe to go to Germany? That's extremely insulting. If you're going to say yes, you have to say yes to us, the Latvians. Aren't you interested in continuing to have a good relationship with us? When I go back to my government and they're going to make a vote, whether or not we're interested in continuing friendly ties with Russia, how could I vote yes that I'm interested after being insulted that you're not allowing the Friedrich Rebbe to come to us and instead you're going over and letting the Friedrich Rebbe go to Germany. Of course, this wasn't really true. The Russians never said yes, not to Latvia and not to Germany. But when they heard this from Reb Mardchai, they didn't assume that he was lying. So they decided that if they're going to be giving permission, and they thought that they already did give permission because they believed Reb Mardchai, so once we're giving permission, might as well Let's give permission to Latvia. So with a heavy heart, they said, fine, we'll let the Friedrich Rebbe move to Latvia, but only if you promise that next time you vote, you're going to vote in favor of Russia. Originally, they only gave permission for the Rebbe himself to leave, but his family and his library of Holy Svarim would have to remain in Russia. They would use that as hostage that if the Rebbe would continue to doing activities which is against Soviet Russia, so then they're going to use them as hostages and take them away. This hopefully would prevent the Friedrich Rebbe from continuing criminal activity in Latvia. But the committee on behalf of the Friedrich Rebbe continued making negotiations and finally the Russian government agreed that the Rebbe and his family and his library and a few chassidim would be allowed to emigrate to Latvia. Before leaving Russia, the Friedrich Rebbe first went to Rostov, to the oil where his father, the Rebbe Rashab, was buried, to Davin one last time. He also took with him his daughter, Rebbe Tzinchai Mushka, who was with him in Kastrama. She also went to the oil. And it's believed that the Rebbe took her along 
in order that she could daven by the oil before her chasana, because at this time she was engaged to the Rebbe. On Thursday, Isru Chag of Sukkot, the Rebbe and his family left Russia. The next day on Friday, they arrived in Riga, which is a city in Latvia. Exactly a year later, on Yud Beis Tammuz, a year after the Friedrich Rebbe's release from jail, he wrote a letter to all of Klal Yisrael. And he said that this is a day for all Yidin to celebrate. Because it wasn't a personal geula, but it was a geula for every Yid. Chassidus explains that Yerida Tzorech Aliyah, whenever someone goes down, it's in order that afterwards they should be able to go up even higher than they were before. The fact that the Friedrich Karebe went to jail and there was a gzeira on Chassidus and on the spreading of Yiddishkeit is all in order to show us the importance of Chassidus and Yiddishkeit. And after the Friedrich Rebbe's release, we have the Koyach to spread it even further. The Rebbe asks, why was it necessary for the Friedrich Rebbe to go to jail? Didn't the Alter Rebbe go to jail and the Mittel Rebbe for the very same reason? In order to show that nothing is going to stand in the way of spreading Hasidus and we must continue to publicize it? So why was it so important for the Friedrich Rebbe as well to go to jail? So the Rebbe explains that the Geula of the Alter Rebbe and the Mittel Rebbe showed us the Hasidus is allowed to be spread and revealed to everybody, not just to special people, Yechide Segula. But after Yud Beis Tammuz, Hasidus actually began to spread throughout the entire world, to shine every area of the globe, even the farthest, most far-flunged corner of the world. Agut Yamtif.